Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And we talked this morning about this uh, laptop thing with Hunter Biden, which probably half the people in America didn't really know about it because the media is being really quiet about it because it will probably... He'll probably lose, uh, Biden will probably lose all kinds of votes because it doesn't just expose Hunter Biden as up to mischief. It also definitely brings his father into the picture. And now there's been testimony of people who were sending emails to Biden and receiving, uh, emails from Biden and meeting with Biden Sr., the big guy, as well as a partner of Hunter Biden. And, uh, and he knows, and, and fully, this is, this is face to face, first hand knowledge of the fact that the Bidens have been playing kind of fast and loose with the, uh, the power and position of, uh, Mr. Biden Sr., Joe Biden. And, uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, damaging testimony as well as all the other things that evidently are on the laptop. Anyway, we went over all that this morning on this morning's show, and it will eventually be put together. But the idea that we wanted to talk to you about is this idea of censorship, where somebody doesn't want to know the whole truth, and they don't want you to know the whole truth. It's like you go into a bar and you don't want to drink alcohol. You, you, you want to sit in with your friends and drink, but you don't want to drink alcohol. You want to have a sarsaparilla or a ginger ale, but you're not going to drink any alcohol. A lot of people don't like that. They want you to drink too. They like Kool-Aid. They want you to drink Kool-Aid. They don't want you to do something different than them. They don't want you to think something different than them. Now, real friends will let you Think what you want to think, say what you want to think and, and say, and have an opinion different than their own. That because they respect your right to think about. It. Now they may be willing to argue with you, but they are going to give you the opportunity to say what you think and why you think it, and you get the the opportunity of saying what you think and why you think it. And so you have this debate. It, life is full of such debates. And what is happening, though, is that this, the entire culture is being segmented off. If you're on Facebook or if you're in a certain media or you like a certain radio station, you will listen to that radio station because it's speaking things the way you want to hear them. What you want to hear is the truth. The whole truth and provide for it. But the, what society is doing, what the media is doing, it's segregating people off. It's dividing society. Now, admittedly, that most of the media is very liberal. Most of the media is actually moved rather far left. Uh, for a long time, 
the conservative side, which is supposed to be to the right, has actually been a little bit left of center <laughs> itself. And it's very socialistic, etc. Uh, originally what I was going to talk about this weekend, but then I got off on this censorship because you have papers that are releasing this information. The New York Post is releasing the information and they're, they're being censored by Twitter. They're being censored by Facebook. They're being even censored by Google. There's evidence that Google is actually keeping people from finding out the whole truth. And they do it blatantly. Now, they have this excuse that they're doing it because of the fact that this is unverified. Well, it is verified. It's extremely verified. And besides that, that's up to the news and the people who investigate, investigative reporters, to verify it. And if it's false then we will say it's false. All the Bidens would have to do is uh, Hunter Biden would come out and say, that's not my computer. Uh, I never I never own that computer. That isn't my stuff on the computer. I didn't make those thousands of emails that are on that computer. I didn't do the videos that are on that computer. But he hasn't come out and said any of that. They haven't even denied that. They actually had their lawyer trying to get the computer back. So there is no question that it's his computer. Now is the question of all those emails authentic. Well, we have eyewitnesses who sent emails back and forth coming forward. And he's saying, yes, they're authentic. Yes, the Bidens were involved in these shady deals in China and uh, all over in Europe. And not only were they involved in them but uh, now people are tracking the checks and the money and the uh the no payback loans which are really uh paying people off and evidently this has been going on for decades and decades and decades and i'm sure that it's not going on just with the bidens i'm sure you can find conservative republicans that are doing the same kind of dishonest thing and so the question is do you want to know the whole truth? Well, I've already given the example this morning of the fact that in the state of Oregon, uh, 70 to 80% of the people holding political office are in violation of Article 2, Section 22. You can go to Preparing You and read the article. And we can show you that they're in violation, which makes them a felon and makes them not lawfully holding any political office because they forfeit their right to the office if they do that and they've almost all done that or at least the majority of them have done that so yeah the majority of the people who are in office in the state of Oregon are corrupt they have taken a false oath because they've taken an oath to go by the constitution of Oregon and they are not doing it they can make all the excuses they want but the fact is they're liars they're criminals, they're felons, they have no right to the office, yet they're in there because the people have become so weak, they don't deserve to be free. They deserve to be in bondage. Everybody says, oh, they want their rights and all this stuff. No, you don't deserve your rights. You you should be a slave. The slothful shall be under tribute. That's what it says in the Bible. They should be under tribute. It serves them right. Now, if you don't like that, change the way you approach life. Change the way you approach honesty. People aren't doing that, 
So the fact is, is that they will suffer under tyrants. And so that's, that's one of the things I could tell you all the way across the board and all the different, uh, uh, sections of society that people are not being fully honest. Now, there are some people being a little less dishonest and some people being a little bit more honest. But if you're supposed to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, you got to be totally honest. The whole truth. No halfway jobs. So, I also, this week, I, I saw a uh, video by uh, Dinesh D'Souza. He did it for Prager University or Prager U, whatever you want to call it. And it was on capitalism versus socialism. And he asked the question, which is more democratic? And, of course, now, I, I would have to admit that capitalism is more democratic when you say democratic. But if you have a democratic government, you're more likely to end up with socialism. And that's what Karl Marx said, that he liked democracy, not because that was the end goal, but democracy leads to socialism and socialism leads to communism. But when somebody says something is more democratic, what they're actually saying is that it's not a, a democratic form of government. What they're saying is that it's more individual choice, which is supposedly what being democratic is all about. Everybody gets a, a portion of the choices that are made. They get to make and be involved in the choices. Now, socialism is an economic and political system. Capitalism is not a political system. Some people think you cannot have capitalism without central government. That's nonsense. You absolutely can have capitalism without a central government. And it's happened all the time in history. When you have a central government, when you have a government that creates large corporations that consolidate the power of the people... Capitalism can become crony capitalism. But that's not really capitalism. That's something else that just uses the word capitalism in it. So, capitalism is this. You produce something, it's yours. If you and two other guys work on uh, making a boat, you both own a share of that boat. One cannot take the boat from the other without taking the labor, accounting for the labor that he put into the boat. So if you want to buy your partner out, I knew guys who came over from uh, Malaysia and they uh, came here with nothing. They escaped uh, from Malaysia. They were actually, I think they were Vietnamese if I remember right, but they escaped through Malaysia and got to America. They They knew how to build a boat. But they did it the old-fashioned way. And so they actually went down on the shores, of the, the, down to the beach in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, they were they got a green card and they could work. And they worked at a lot of different jobs. But in their spare time, they started building a boat. And they only had a few hand tools and uh, a carpenter square. But they literally built a boat. They were very good craftsmen. And they all worked together and they built this boat. They also had full-time jobs because they had to support their family. But in their spare time, they worked on this boat. And eventually, they went fishing. I think they they were doing uh, shrimping. 
and uh, they ended up making money, and then they had money to build another boat and another boat, and they became fairly wealthy in a fairly short period of time by because they had this skill of how to build a boat. But when they first did it, they worked together to build the boat, and each one of them had a share in the boat. When they went out fishing, each one of them worked on the fishing boat and brought in the fish and brought in whatever it was that they were fishing for, sold it, and they split the profits. And they, on this small scale, that's kind of like socialism. But it's really just a cooperative. It's not really socialism because even though it involves people uh, sharing what they put into a business, it's not really political. Any one of them could sell out their share of the boat and go do something else entirely. I worked for uh, a company once that was a property management company. And before they became a property management company, they were just a carpenter. And then they became a cabinet maker. And then they got together with another plumber and uh, uh, a, a construction guy, a guy who constructed homes and what have you, and got together with an electrician. And when things were really slow, they refurbished, they bought an apartment building, they refurbished the apartment building, and then they rented it out, and then they they paid themselves back what they put into it, but that was their share. Each one of them had, you know, like 20% or 25% or 30%, and eventually they owned, together they owned 100% of that one building because each one put in a certain amount of labor. They figured out how much they were putting in. When they were all done uh, with that building, they started another building, and then they started another building, and they had another partner who was a property manager of existing buildings, and they all together, they ended up being, I think it was the Arlington Properties, what they call themselves, and they had a lot of buildings, 20, 30 buildings. And, but now, the cabinet builder owned four or five buildings. Uh, over 200 apartment units in four or five buildings. And, uh, it was four locations, five buildings. And they hired me as the manager of those buildings. But what they did was they sold out their share in Arlington apartments and created another group of apartments, Azure Apartments. And the plumber, he got a couple of buildings, and the carpenter, he got a couple of buildings, and each one got a share of these 30-some apartment buildings. And they all were fairly wealthy now, because they owned, these are buildings that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, million dollars or more, altogether. And uh, they were renting them out, and they were paying back. Once they got to a certain point where they had more than half of the building paid off, so that they had this equity in the building of a half a million dollars, they borrowed money and built another building. And they, all of them did this uh, to lesser or greater degrees, but they, they worked together to build the original asset, then they split it up. And then now they had multiple assets that they could split up amongst their children, you know, like uh, my children could get this building and my other son could get this building and they could get started. 
That's cooperative, but that's actually all capitalism. None of that is socialism. But socialism is real popular today because people think, well, it's where we're forced to share. Everybody has to pay their fair share in socialism. Except for somebody gets the power to decide what your fair share is. The original boat people who built the boats and started the fishing business, they knew what suffering was all about. They knew what sacrifice was all about. They knew what it was to work really hard to make something happen. And they were willing to do that. And they were willing to do it on a limited basis until they all became independent. They were forced to be honest about things. They were forced to, you know, if one guy was a little bit better worker than all the others, they just had to forgive that. They had to choose to take that into account because they had this agreement that everybody had equal shares. But eventually they, they parted ways as they get older or retired and they, because the business became too big. Corporations, on the other hand, they can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But these are cooperatives, and sometimes they form these as corporations. So what does this all have to do with the laptop? And uh, and actually what the laptop has to do with is the censorship of the media. And the censorship of the media comes by because they require that you think like them. They don't want you to have a different opinion. They don't want you to do something different. They want to force you into partnership with them. That's what socialism is. Everybody is forced into that socialism. And that's dangerous because it is a relationship based not on charity, but on force. See, if I get together with you and we all pitch in to do something, you know, I here I'll give you another example. I remember guys who were picking onions and radishes. I was working with the guys who were picking the radishes. And they had, you know, like ten guys out there picking radishes. And we were crating them up. And I was in charge of loading all the crates on the truck and making sure that the pickers all had crates so they didn't have to walk across the field to get them. And, and then I had to take account so that I knew how much everybody was going to get paid because they're paid by the crate. And at the end of the day, when everybody was done and about ready to quit, everybody had a few bundles on the ground in front of them that didn't quite make a full crate. And most of the guys who did this, they took the extra bundles and threw them to the guy who was the newest guy picking and was the slowest guy. He he was not a very fast picker. Other guys would have... You know, ten crates, and he might only have three. So he's not going to make a big check. <laughs> this is like first or second day. But everybody encouraged him by taking bundles that they had picked that don't fill up quite a whole crate and throwing him the surplus. And, you know, maybe he's going to do something extra for them. They're They're testing the waters. They're testing. But it's all voluntary, see? See, in... If you apply socialism, this guy picks ten crates, and this guy picks nine crates, and this guy picks eight crates, and this guy picks seven. And so all together you have like, you know, 35 crates. And this other guy comes along and he picks five crates. He already picked any. But they divide the money up 
Five ways. Everybody gets the fair share. Well, that doesn't seem fair. So this that's the difference between socialism and capitalism. Capitalism, you can be as charitable as you want. You can be as selfish as you want. Socialism, somebody else is going to decide how charitable you're going to be today. They're going to rightly divide whatever everybody produces from house to house. Now, if you, you go into the Bible, and you're looking at the Bible, and you're trying to find out what the Bible is talking about, they do talk about rightly dividing from house to house. What are they talking about when they say rightly dividing from house to house? That's a, a concept that comes out of the fact we're supposed to be taking care of one another through charity. But the church, this is what a lot of people don't realize. The church was actually ministers. A lot of the home church people, oh no, the church is just a fellowship. We all just gather in this little fellowship. And, uh, you know, we, we, we praise Christ and we, we say these prayers and we sing these songs and, and we tell God how much we love Him. But how is that righteousness? How is that seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness? It, it really isn't. It isn't seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It is something quite different. It is self-serving. It doesn't serve God. It serves the people because they think that they're saved because they say they love Jesus. But actually, Jesus says, not those who say, but those who do with the will of the Father. And what is the will of the Father? That you all be righteous. So, Jesus trained up these ministers. He called them disciples. That means students. And then he appointed to them a kingdom that he was taking away from the Pharisees. I'm going to take the kingdom away, and he did. He did it by the words of their own mouth. They said, we have no king but Caesar. That means that they're now subject to Caesar, and they're not subject to God. I mean, they are subject to God, but they're not God's chosen people anymore because they said, what is God to us? We have no king but Caesar. They denounced Christ, who was the highest son of David and the rightful heir to the throne. Now, Christ came to set you free. He was going to do what they tried to do under Rehoboam, which was return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. But Rehoboam wasn't having it. So, it wasn't until Jesus Christ... Or Jesus Christ was going to return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. So everybody who followed Christ was kicked out of the system of the world. And now Jesus appointed men to be his church, his called out, his ecclesia. And they were to rightly divide the bread from house to house. What bread? I mean, if you if you had uh, 20 loaves of bread in your root cellar, could, could the preacher come in and and take uh, 15 of them and redistribute it to other people? No. He could only redistribute what you gave him to redistribute. What you contributed to his ecclesia, Christ's ecclesia. They could share what you gave him. If 
you didn't give him anything, he had nothing to share except what he produced himself. And that's pretty much the way we've been going for a long time now. We do have some people that are contributing, but we've been able to help some people uh, in times of emergencies. We've been able to take our time, you know, and do everything from changing colostomy bags to paying off doctor bills to uh, paying the rent, uh, paying the mortgage when somebody was, or paying the taxes when somebody was about to lose their house. And we can do those kinds of things for people, but we do it in a way that tries to strengthen the poor. But that's rightly dividing the bread that God puts into our hands or the people put into our hands because they want to serve God. And we're able to help out people based on our good judgment where they are showing signs of repentance and want to do the right thing. Want to, you know, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Second Chronicles 6.23 it says, Then hear thou from heaven and do and judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. So, in socialism, you have to pay whatever the government says you have to pay, and you don't get to give him according to his righteousness. You don't give to the government according to his righteousness. You give to him because he is in the force business. And you signed up to ask the government to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. So now your neighbor gets to force you to contribute to his welfare. This is what taxation is all about. They get to tax you because you signed up some way or another for those taxes. And there's lots of different kinds of taxes. There's, you know, direct and indirect taxes. And there's a limit on what they can charge. There's a limit on what they can tax. And most people don't understand that. Of course, they don't teach you in school, although it's right in the law books. It explains it. And and we explain it in the book, uh, The Covenants of the Gods. We tell you how that works. But what you really need to know how, how what works is not the governments of the world, although that can be important. It's like knowing where the quicksand is at in the swamp. <laughs> That's a, that can be valuable. But if you want to know where the dry land is on, if you want to know where the way is to get through the swamp to the other side, you have to know the ways of the kingdom. Because that's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. So he said to do things a certain way. And people, when I tell people this, they often don't want to hear it. Because it's different than what they wanted to believe was true. This is the thing. People wanted to believe that Joe Biden was an honest guy. I've known he's dishonest for a long time. Of course, the Bushes were dishonest as well. Bush Sr. a lot more than Bush Jr., but he was Bush Jr. was going along with the same corrupt stuff too. I think he has a little bit more of a twinge of consciousness now, or conscience now, but uh, we'll have to see. That's, that's not me to judge. 
But when they found out, and the evidence is just overwhelming, that Biden is totally corrupt, taking millions and millions of dollars in bribes from foreign countries through his sons, through his brother, and in order to become wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. He is really in it for himself. He, he, he is just an actor. He is just playing a role. Now, I don't, I'm not advocating Trump. I'm just saying Biden was caught doing things that is, is that are illegal. And uh, at least the evidence is pretty overwhelming that he was, I mean, he, he, people had him right on video doing the quid pro quo thing. You know, fire the prosecutor or you're not getting a billion dollars. That's, that's, that is the definition of quid pro quo. But the media doesn't say it so that people don't think it. Most of them don't think it. They don't want to see it. The media tells you Trump's a racist. The media tells you that uh, there's no evidence here. You know, don't look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> kind of thing. And everybody goes along with it because the media has become your priest. See, your priests should be the ministers of your church. Your social welfare, your daily ministration should be through the church. That would mean that everybody, all the ministers that are running the network of the church are the bureaucracy of the kingdom. You have control. You would have power if you were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like we explained. If somebody's listening for the first time, they may not get this. But these called out men were organized into the tens, hundreds, and thousands because the congregations of the people were in groups of ten, detchens. That's why you call them deacons. That's really why you call them deacons is because they are minister of ten elders. And those elders are the heads of families. These are just the definition of words. If you change elder to be an office of the church, you won't you won't understand that. That's why we show you at preparing you and in our books and you know Thy Kingdom Come and and, and the Free Church Report that an elder is simply the head of a family. And yeah, it was home churches because they were gathering ten families together, and those ten families picked a minister, and that minister received the contributions of the people. And if there was a fire or there was a dearth or if there was a depression somewhere, the church could send aid by way of men like Barnabas and Timothy and Paul to help out Christians over in this area. And we see them doing that right away. They're able to do that because they're already all sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands so when Paul comes into a city, he doesn't have to go around and say, are there any widows in the city? Uh, uh, who is this? Is this a Christian widow? Is this not a Christian widow? There's already ministers there of the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They already know who's in need. And this makes it a very efficient bureaucracy constructed by men who are men of charity, men of truth. Men of forgiveness. Well, these same men are going around and finding out what's going on. They hear about, you know, um, Polybius' laptop. <laughs> or, or that Nero is about to uh, 
you know, become the emperor of Rome. And so they're the, they're your information source. And they're willing to know the whole truth about Christ. So they're also able to hear the whole truth about what's going on in the world. They will see the signs in the heavens. They will see the signs in the state capitals and the politics. They will, they will see the earth moving beneath their feet. They will have eyes to see because they're willing to see the truth about themselves. And you will know which ministers to pick and who to give to because you are willing to see the truth about yourself. And the truth about most Christians today is they are doing the absolute opposite of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to believe, no, I believe, I love Jesus, I do this. Are you sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, gathering together to become the social welfare of people who want to live by faith, hope, and charity? Or are you content with staying in a system that operates by force, fear, and fealty? See, some some ministers don't, you know, they they start seeing what we're talking about. Some people start seeing what we're talking about. This agorist Christian society. I talked a little bit about gorism this morning. Gorism is an all-voluntary society. And, of course, that's what Christianity was. It was an agoristic society that not only survived the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, thrived during that decline and fall. They were the lifesavers of society as Rome collapsed. Can you imagine if all the welfare systems in the United States began to collapse? I mean, we've shut down the economy. What happened if they shut down all the welfare systems? I mean, you would have starvation. You would have riots like you'd never seen before, violent riots. They wouldn't be stealing just sneakers. And we've seen in some parts of Europe where these riots have taken place, where they just bust into people's houses and take their food. Nobody's going to be able to stop that when it gets really out of hand. But if you have the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you will have an alternative system already in place. Of people who come together, not for the good feeling they're going to get on Saturday or Sabbath or the Sunday. They come together to seek the righteousness of God. See, that's the thing. You're supposed to be seeking the government of God, the kingdom of God, and the righteousness of God. Well, the government of God operates by faith, hope, and charity. It is based on the patterns of tens, commanding, God, Christ commanded us to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Moses did the same thing what, what his uh, father-in-law was telling him to do, was to take the same tens, hundreds, and thousands and set up a judicial appeals court system. Well, that's what the cities of refuge. All these things they talk about in the Bible, if you don't understand how societies operate, you won't understand what it's all about. It's not about running to a town as fast as you can so all the fast murderers are uh, successfully get to the cities of refuge because they can outrun everybody. <laughs> That's the picture that they want you to say. But if you go back to the actual Hebrew, what they're saying is that if you appeal 
to the cities of refuge. If you go to the cities of refuge, that's appealing to the cities of refuge, saying, I didn't get a fair trial here. So they're going to look at your case through the tens, hundreds, and thousands. There were 48 of the cities of refuge, just like there's 48 uh, contiguous states in the United States. And you would appeal up to those systems until you got eventually to the high priest, if, unless, of course, your appeal was satisfied at the lower courts. And if they said, you're not guilty, nobody could exact punishment from you. It's kind of like O.J. Simpson. If, if he's acquitted, you know, somewhere in the process, actually he was acquitted in the lower courts, but if they, they appealed up and found out that he was not lawfully tried, you might have to release him. But the point point is is that acquitting of somebody, I actually don't think that O.J. Simpson committed those crimes. I think there was somebody else, but that's my personal opinion. And see, everybody can have an opinion. You can discuss it. But the reality is is that the jury acquits him. He's acquitted, and anybody who kills him now would be committing murder. This is the same thing that was going on in the courts in Israel. Same thing that was going on amongst the courts of the kingdom of God, the ecclesiastical courts. Most people have no idea. Our view of ecclesiastical courts, most of the time, only goes back to around 1500, 1600. But ecclesiastical courts, that was the court, that was the people's court. Those elders get together and decide fact and law. And they could appeal up to, you know, up this network that is composed of men who are in the charity business. They're also in the news business because as they go around and serve these charitable things, you know, like they hear there's a problem over here, there's a problem over there, and they go and they, they, they tell you about it so that you can give to help out that problem. That was so common. And, and there's all kinds of stories written about it, but very few people read those books. And read those chronicles. But this is how society operated. And it strengthened society. So that if if they knew that there were people in a village 200 miles away. That were being oppressed or brutalized. They would actually get together and go and resolve that issue. And say stop doing that or we will put a stop to you. They were willing to go that extra mile to make sure that their neighbor, even a hundred miles away, two hundred miles away, in some cases even longer, they would cross the English Channel to go and resolve an issue where somebody was being unjustly treated. Now today, we have 75 to 80 percent of the people in government who are making all the laws and rules and making everybody wear a mask, they're criminals. They're felons. They have bore false witness. Neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor. These guys have bore false witness. Uh, Thou shalt not raise a false report, but not thine hand with the wicked... To be an unrighteous witness. 
That's what's going on. It's not just censorship. They are bearing false witness. They know the evidence is there. But they're not letting the evidence get out. They are keeping people in the dark. There is a spirit that is censoring the truth. We saw it. I mentioned this morning how they were, you know, people shout down speakers at colleges. They won't let them speak. They actually firebomb places and beat people rather than let somebody speak. As somebody who is not promoting violence, although they'll say that is because, you know, they have an opinion different than them. And you say that if, if you have an opinion different than me, I become violent. So you're promoting violence. That's what that really comes down to. This spirit is growing in the earth. It's just like there there was a bunch of people. I shared it with uh, people that are on my Facebook page uh, that there were a bunch of people going out to White Island to see a venting volcano. It's venting steam most of the time. And uh, there were more than one boat there, but one boat, everybody had gotten back on the boat and the volcano erupted, building out Poison gases and hot ashes and burning people. Actually, I guess numerous people died. They had, as soon as the cloud cleared, they went back and they picked up the survivors and they brought them back for hospitalization. But some of them were extremely badly burned by the hot ash and gases from the eruption. But the, the point is, is that if you are seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you will see the the dangers coming. You will see the evil coming. You will be spared. You will be protected. This is part of the full armor of God. But if you refuse to see the truth, if you try to keep others from seeing the truth, then the spirit of this false witness will grow and grow and grow. In Psalms 27, 12, it says, deliver me, not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as they breathe out cruelty. False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. Even in Proverbs, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. He that speaketh thus showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. And that's what, you know, the Bible is really very clear. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, we are our brother's keeper. We the the red agorist takes from his neighbor. A socialist community, the red agorist takes the blood of his neighbor. He takes a bite out of his neighbor, and he will be devoured. Because he's not really an agorist. He doesn't believe in voluntarism. Socialism is not about voluntarily sharing what you produce extra with others. That's Christianity. And that's the only way to have a true agorist society. 
a voluntary society. You voluntarily give to the ministry of your choice, but you are not just thinking about your little groupie. You're thinking about other people. You're willing to give up of yourself for the welfare of others, even people you don't know. This is critical in the kingdom. Because you have to care about your neighbor as much as yourself, but you also have to cast your bread upon the waters. People you don't even know can't just love those who love you. So when you go to pick your minister, if you understand some of these basic principles, you will pick a minister who is going to connect you with the entire network, with the whole kingdom. Not only the people who sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, but their personal extended networks. People outside of the immediate tens, hundreds, and thousands, but are not far from the kingdom. But you have to leave your ministers that opportunity of making that choice. Maybe they will be the good Samaritan who binds up wounds with uh, the extra bandages that they have. That they could have used for you, but they used it for this guy because he was the guy put before them. But that's a different spirit than the spirit who will shout you down, keep the truth from you, deny the truth when it's shown to them. It's a spirit willing to see and to sacrifice for others. It opens up. You cannot open up part of the door. You have to open up the whole door. So you have to have this other way. Uh, but he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he had. For he is the beginning of strength. The right of the firstborn is his. That's Deuteronomy 21.17. There's a lot of stuff in Deuteronomy that most people, you know, like Deuteronomy, uh, was it 17, 16, 16, 17, is where they talk about writing a constitution. Yeah. They talk about what, what you put in a constitution of God. And what, you know, you're supposed to, there's about five things you're supposed to put in there. If you want to know, you can go read our book on uh, contracts, covenants, and constitutions because we go through them bit by bit. And that's all free online. You don't have to buy the book, but we make it available. So, if you if you go back to uh, verse 15 in Deuteronomy 17, if a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated... And they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated. And if the firstborn son be hers, that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his own son to inherit that which he, which the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. So, there... In Deuteronomy, you say, oh, like, so what does that have to do with anything? Well, are you seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness with all your heart, mind, and soul? Are you also voting in the governments of the world and seeking to improve them? 
Which one do you love? You can't serve two masters. Now, I'm not saying that you have to jump out of the system. But which one do you love? Do you love the idea of the kingdom of God living together in an Agora society with other people sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands all across the nation caring about one another and the righteousness of God through faith, hope, and charity? Is that what you, is that your first love? Is that the love that you, you need to have? Are you willing to see how important that is? And Dinesh's, before we run out of time, and Dinesh's D'Souza, he talks about, in capitalism, every day you vote with your money. If you like a particular product, you buy that product. That makes the manufacturer of that product successful. I know some people who only want to buy American. So they they make that uh, American businesses successful and it contributes to them. One of the purposes of the golden calf was to force people to only trade amongst themselves. It almost put a tariff on everything from foreigners. So it, it, it bound the people together. But God doesn't want you bound that way. He doesn't want you to be a socialist either. Market economies involve a level of popular participation and democratic consent that politics can only envy. We don't need to extend democracy from the political to the economic sphere. We already have it. That's what D'Souza says. Because you vote with your money. That's uh, You buy a product. But the kingdom of God is not just about buying something. You're supposed to be willing to sell everything to buy that pearl of great price. Kingdom of heaven is about laying down your life so that you may pick up your life more abundantly. And this is built into the system of God. How do you produce, this is a question I brought up, how do you produce a more moral capitalism? Because Capitalism is not a political system. It's just you have a right to what you produce. Well, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a capitalistic society. Because we've returned every man to his family and every man to his possession. In order to maintain that, you must bind yourselves together. Not with oaths, because you all do false oaths anyway. (laughs) But with love and faith in God's way and hope that one another will be there for you. It will create stronger bonds. You can only create a more moral capitalist society when you're a more moral people. How do you become a more moral people? Practice. Right now, for the last 100 years, you've been gauging more and more and more into covetous practices. you your parents are cared for by a socialistic program called Social Security. Your children are taught by a socialist program called public education. Your health is now being turned over on a regular basis more and more and more to a socialist health care system. And I don't know who's going to win the election in the next two or three days. But the reality is, is that 
whoever wins will only be president for four years and then something else will happen. It is definitely clear that the spirit of selfishness has been growing in this nation. 75% of the kids in America coming out of high school believe that socialism is okay. It's a good form of government. 65% of college students are voting a liberal ticket. The minds of your children are being turned over to another system, another way of thinking and, and acting that is contrary to the ways of God. And most of the people who say they are Christians are doing the opposite of what Christ said to do. If a man have a, a, a stubborn uh, a rebellious son, a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of the father or the voice of his mother. And that when they have chastised him, will not hearken unto him. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold of him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gates of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from Amongst you, and all of Israel shall hear and fear. When they say stone them with stones, does that mean pick up rocks and throw at him and hit him in the head until he dies? That's the way it's translated. But if you want to really know what they're talking about, go to our article on stoning. Because that's not what it's. It's all about any more than the altars of stone were piles of rocks upon which you were to burn up sheep. What they're saying is that you cannot support the wicked, the evil, the drug addict. Today, we have people who get a government check every month. And the reason why is they're drug addicts. They're lazy, slothful, rebellious, drunkards, gluttons. They don't obey the voice of the Father in heaven. And the government has all kinds of programs to take care of them. That's not the kingdom of God. That is the opposite of the kingdom of God. Stoning had to do with telling your ministers, the living stones... A, a gathering of stones is a council of men. That's what you're doing, is bringing them before all the elders, and therefore all the ministers of their system of social welfare, and saying, this guy is rebellious. He's just going to be shunned, as if he was dead, treated as if he is dead. That's actually what it means. People will want to argue that. That's not really what the show is about. But that is what stoning was. Cast out of the welfare system of God. 
That wouldn't care, carry very much weight today because none of the Christians today, none of the Jews today are operating by the altars of God. They're all doing it by the altars of men. They have constructed these altars. They call them institutions. Institutions of welfare. And they are dependent upon those. And they are destroying the spirit and character of their society. They have lost an entire generation because they did not want to see the truth enough to see the truth about themselves, about their own iniquity, about their wantonness of dishonoring their Father in Heaven who said to live by faith, by free will offerings, by, by loving one another. Like the good shepherd. Abel was a good shepherd. He goes out and he leads the sheep by, besides the still waters. He maketh them so they can lay down in green pastures. He does not whip them. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't try to chain them together. They hear his voice and they follow him. I was out all day with the sheep, not all day. Since this morning's program, I was out there. My wife went and took over so I could come in and do this program. <laughs> Uh, because we we want to protect them from the predators, so I go out and work in the field, and they they come around me, they come to me and graze near me because they know they're safer near me than way out across the desert. I don't have to herd them; they know that. I want you to know what it is to gather with the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And in the way that Christ commanded us all to gather. So, until then, I'm just going to have to say peace on your house. And and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.